Hello and welcome to another OV community chat and tonight we're going to be looking about uh, looking at collaborative course creation. So it's going to be a really interesting topic tonight. Before we get going, just a few pieces of uh, housekeeping. Obviously this is ran by the OV community so if you're not familiar with that, pop onto Google Plus and you'll find the online video educators and entrepreneurs community there. So sign up there. You can also subscribe to all of these uh, hangouts on YouTube where we put the replays. So if you go to Mark Timberlake you'll see uh, a playlist for all these OV community hangouts. Also there's a podcast so you can go on iTunes and you'll find there if you search for Mark Timberlake you'll find the podcast so you can listen that way. What we'll also do is we'll ask the panel if they want to share any offers and if they do what we'll do is we'll make sure they get put into the YouTube video description so if they've got their quarters and they want to put an offer we'll put that in the description. So make sure you check the YouTube description out and check those out. And obviously, last but not least, uh, the Udemy Tips newsletter is on my website on SME Heroes, so please go and sign up for that. And we share tips there that we don't share anywhere. We share them there first anyway, so we've got some top tips we'll share if you're interested in Udemy course creation and marketing. So that's all that out of the way. I just want to now uh, invite our guests to uh, just introduce themselves. So I'm going to start with Scott. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, Scott, and uh, you know why you're interested in the topic tonight? I know you've got a few courses. If you can just explain why you're on the panel. Sure. <clears throat> Thanks, Mark. Really appreciate being here. Uh, I'm Scott Patton, the Dean of Blogonomics and Pedology, and I've got a number of courses on Udemy and uh, Power Podcasters being the the uh, sort of the flagship of them, uh, but I just finished another uh, podcast course in which I had a collaborator, uh, naturalbornpodcasters.com, uh, Mark uh, Mawini, uh, who is, I'm in Canada and he's on the other end of, of Canada in Moncton, believe it or not, and uh, we collaborated on the course and it was very much a conversational collaboration, it went really, really well, so I think, uh, I think it's a great way to add uh, excitement to your courses, actually. Mm, excellent, excellent. You've got a number of courses, haven't you, Scott, where you've collaborated? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Phil? Hello, my name is Philomena Timberlake. Uh, Mark and myself, we run an online company called SME Heroes with uh, two other partners uh, where we help people with their online marketing. We're heavily involved with Udemy and we've got several multiple courses. I've, I'm losing track of how many we've got and we've got some <laughs> free courses as well, so we're enjoying the process, and we've actually got uh, a few we're collaborating with uh, other people as well, like Gisela, so looking forward to uh, the discussion. Excellent. And Jonathan? Yeah. Hi, everybody. Jonathan Levy here. Uh, I have a few courses on Udemy. Uh, I think now I'm at four or five. It depends if you count the, the language translations of my best-selling course. Uh, the biggest one, which you might have heard of, is Become a Super Learner. Uh, so that one's at about 40,000 students now. And recently, all my courses, except for one, are collaborations. They've all been since the beginning. And most recently, I launched Branding You with Dr. Anthony Mithivier, who's another top-ranking Udemy instructor. And we're teaching people how to uh, use the systems we've built to create podcasts, create books, create online courses, link them all together, create a real brand ecosystem around your products. So. 
that's where I'm focused in addition to the accelerated learning and productivity. And, of course, I have the books and the podcasts and all that other fun stuff. Yeah, and I'm really pleased you joined us tonight, Jonathan, because I know that you've probably got one of the top collaborative courses on Udemy, uh, that course you mentioned. Yeah. I think it's probably one of the best sellers on there. It's a collaborative course. So. Uh, yeah, it's, it's top five overall Udemy courses. I think uh, Rob Percival still beats me out. with his But I think it's probably the number one collaborative, isn't it? Uh, yeah, that's fair to say. Yeah, so we've got a genuine uh, expert on the panel tonight. Uh, Jeremy, if you want to just introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, definitely. My name's Jeremy Deegan. Uh, I'm very new to Unimi and the online business world. I, I just started doing uh, online business uh, the beginning of this year in January. Just found out about it at the end of last year, how powerful and how much potential there is. Started doing Udemy at the last week of May, and I have five courses up now. Um, and I have no experience doing co-instructor courses, and I'm really interested in it, and I have a lot of questions, so hopefully I can help, help out with the panel in that way. Excellent. Thank you, Jerry. And Gisela? Uh, well, um, uh, hello. I'm Gisela Echeverria, uh, originally from Venezuela. Actually settled in Vienna, Austria uh, for a while. And uh, I'm a psychologist. Uh, my expertise is in uh, personal development based basically on uh, holistic and systemic uh, assertiveness training. And in parallel, I'm also a translator, interpreter, English-Spanish, uh, voiceover talent uh, for Spanish, neutral Spanish. And I also do subtitlings. And um, a part of the, the reason why I, I found it would be interesting to be in this panel because it's because I have partnered uh, with, um, with some of uh, Udemy instructors in doing the translation of their courses to Spanish language. We'll talk about that later. Yes. Nice yeah, being she, here again. She's very good, and she belongs to me and Scott, so leave her alone, everybody else, okay? <laughs> is, is that right, Scott? That is absolutely right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just tell us translating some of my courses that she works with Scott as well, so uh, we have to make sure that, you know, people leave her alone. So. Um, I'm just going to, yeah, so like Phil said, we, we're on there. We've just gone through creating free collaborative courses with another instructor or collaborating with Gisela. And it was, it's been an interesting experience collaborating on another course with someone else. Mm -hmm. We've got 21 courses on Udemy now. Um, and we've got 16 uh, paid courses. I think we've got five free courses. Three more coming at the end of this month, and Gisela's working wow. on that one. So... We've got quite a few courses coming online, um, so that's that's basically where we're coming from. We've been on Udemy about nine months, so I just want to give a shout out to some of the people in the Q and A. Uh, hi, Sheila and Christy, good to have you. Robin, good to have you. Carl Heaton, George, uh, John Kingsnorth is here as well, and Scott Scowcroft is here. Sue Mosley, Olivia. Uh, Robier and Andrew Kasberg. In fact, Olivier has just come on board and he's going to be translating our courses into French. So really big shout out to Olivier there. Um, so as you can see, lots of uh, stuff going on. And this is one of the things about the OV community, guys, is we want this to be a place of collaborative marketing, collaborative course creation. I met Gisela through OV, Scott did, you know, and I know Scott works with some other people. You know, so there's a lot of stuff going on in the community. So if you get in and tap in and get to know people, you'd be surprised what 
collaborations can come out of it. So let's start with the question. Let's get on. Done a lot of housekeeping. Um, we've got some questions in the Q&A, but I think we'll pick up most of those as we go through. But Phil's going to keep an eye on the questions for us and make sure we don't miss anything. Um, so first of all, here's, a, here's an open question. Why collaborate? Okay, why collaborate in the first place? Um, anybody want to weigh in on that to start? Um, yes. I will, um, yeah, um, I think uh, it's because the era of competition is out. I mean, it's over. Uh, this this era of competing against each other it is just out of the of the playlist. It's not there anymore. I think that the key to progress and the key to being successful is co-creating and collaborating with each other. And uh, it, it's making teams. It's it's. I think it's wonderful because I I don't know it all. I know many things, and I there are many things I don't know. So finding people who can uh, uh, complement what I do and that comp that I can complement what they do. It's a wonderful thing to give a better product to the client, whoever is, is there to listen. Mm, mm, mm. Scott, did you want to add to that? Yeah, I have a couple things I would say to it. First of all, there's many hands make light work. And uh, also having different perspectives on your topic, I think, also helps. I, uh, I've worked for a large grocery store, a grocery company as a manager. And I had 300 employees under me. So when I left that to get into the you know, online internet marketing world, uh, I wanted to have nothing to do with anybody. I'd had enough of people. <clears throat> and now 10 years later, I've gotten over that. And <laughs> I really decided I don't want to be alone. So part of the reasons for collaborating for me is the relationship building that occurs. And I think that's a really amazing way to enrich your life. I mean, I can't believe I'm collaborating with a wonderful woman in Europe and I'm on the west coast of Canada. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's great, right? So I think, um, first of all, the other people bring their perspective, they bring their knowledge. And when I teach people to podcast, it's very rare that I'll recommend somebody podcast solo. I think it's better to have a guest or to have a co-host simply because the energy of the two people feed up. It's very, very difficult for one person to hold a monologue. And I think that's very similar when we're talking about Udemy uh, courses when you're making them. It, you know, listening to somebody for two hours and they, they're able to keep the energy up is, is quite an accomplishment. I know we split it into small parts, but uh, I just finished one with, as I said before, with Mark. And it was great because we sat down for two hours, did a hangout. We talked back and forth about everything and we cut everything out that we didn't want and we were left with an, an hour and I think almost two, well, an hour and a half of really, really good content that was aimed at coaching people on how to, you know, do a specific thing. <clears throat> it was very task oriented, and uh, and I th so I really think it's a lot more fun. It's a lot more interesting, and uh, and it brings a lot more value to to your audience. Mm. Jonathan, obviously, you know, why collaborate? I think you yeah. have some. Yeah, well, I do have to say, uh, many hands make light work. I actually find, I mean, I teach a course on productivity, right? I find it's a lot more work to collaborate because uh, you have to make sure that everyone's uh, opinions are taken into consideration and they, there's a lot of work to be made in delegation. 
splitting workload, communication. I, I actually find it's more work to collaborate. But with that said, I think uh, what Gisela said is exactly right, is uh, I can't be an expert in everything. Even though I'm an expert in accelerated learning, I can't now go and say that I'm an expert in uh, weightlifting. But if I take someone on, I apply my learning methodology to what they have to teach, then I can come out with any course on any topic because they bring the intellectual property. I bring what I like to call the marketing woo-woo, right, and the, the public speaking skills and the organization skills. But uh, that's been my model. I partner with people who have very, very in-depth knowledge about a subject, and I kind of do a vacuum where I pull all the information out of their brain and I format it in a way that's very simple for my students. And I try to create it in such a way that is engaging. And of course, I do some of my own writing. But th that's the short answer is you find subject matter experts who've devoted 10 years of their lives to learning something like travel hacking or like you know Anthony Mativier has spent so much time learning how to do this personal branding thing and learning how to build this amazing internet empire. And I learned most of what I know from him. Uh, and then you go out and you. I mean, I don't, I don't want to make the Steve the the boring, old, tired, dead, cliched Steve Jobs reference, but you become the person who can then brand and present their hard work in a way that they maybe wouldn't themselves. At least that's mm -hmm. been my role. Mm, and I think that's I think there's some really really sort of you know top sort of points in there. There's it's that. Uh, because you know, the thing is, someone might have a lot of knowledge, but they won't have the video production skills necessarily. They might not even have the teaching sure. skills. They might know how to structure. They might not ha know how to present. They don't, you know, you know, most people start on Udemy, and you go in the studio, and they're saying, what mic should I get? You know? Yeah. And, and if, if they knew <laughs> the learning curve ahead of them a lot of the time, they'd yeah. stop right there. They'd be discouraged. You almost you have to be ignorant to make your first Udemy course if you don't come from a video production background. So I think yeah. there's some great things there. And I think, guys, that types in that ties into my second point, which I want to just cover, is the different types of collaboration. Because I think we've just pulled out a few different there. So, you know, we've got translation, so that you can collaborate with someone who can take your course and put it into another language, and that's what Gisela does for me and for Scott, uh, and uh, Olivia's going to be doing it for me, and like Scott's got someone who helps him with German. So that that's a completely different audience now you can reach, and that's one collaboration. You've got the video production collaboration, so you might have the video production skills, and they need that. Uh, they might need the management side. Um, you me talk about this. So... It might be that you're really busy and you're really successful and you've got a mega course now and you want someone to answer questions where you can add them to the course and they can manage the questions for you. So like a, a virtual assistant almost. And then the, the really big one, I think, is help with the marketing. Um, so there's different types of collaboration there. Uh, does anybody want to sort of add anything to that before we go on to talking about choosing partners? Yeah, I will, because uh, Jonathan, I think, made a great point in terms of the fact that to, uh, oftentimes, which is why I didn't, when I had 300 employees, I didn't want to have anything to do with anyone else, was it, uh, it's exponential in the issues. So what I do, uh, what I have done in the past, and I don't see any reason to stop, is I have found somebody who is a subject matter expert, as Jonathan had mentioned, and basically what I tell them is, you know how to lift weights. And you don't know anything else. I don't say that, but that's they know. <laughs> that. 
right? You don't know anything else. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to sit down with you and I'm going to go through the process of lifting weights and then I'm going to come up with a curriculum. And you'll see it, I'll see it, then I'm going to call you up on Skype or I'm going to call you up on a YouTube uh, Hangout. I may be interacting with you, I may not be interacting with you, it's easy to do. And then uh, we're going to go through the curriculum and you'll have it in front of you, like you know it, like do you need notes for any of these things? Usually it's like no, like are you kidding me? Right? I talk about weights every day, I don't need notes to talk to you for an hour about weights. You cannot ask me a question that I don't know the answer to is usually what they say. So I say great, plus you have the curriculum, you know what we're going to be talking about, I'll introduce the session, the, uh, the lecture and you'll then talk and maybe we'll have a couple questions or whatever and it depends on the individual and how we mesh and then you go away mm -hmm. and I'll send it off to my editor, I'll put the descriptions in, I'll write the copy, I'll make the promo video, I might call you up and say look I need you for 20 minutes to you know do this book promo video, then your job is to watch it because if I make a mistake or my video editor makes a mistake we may not know that we did. So you watch it and then blah, 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 blah. And then at the end of that, I get it, usually get an email from them saying lecture to uh, one, point, 1 minute 32 seconds to 1 minute 48 seconds. Uh, you know, this is wrong, please remove it or, or whatever the feedback is, right? And then put it up to Udemy. And I've done so many that Udemy just, uh, I mean, so many, right? Like, I don't know, like 10 courses. Uh, Udemy is now just, I don't get fixes anymore. I'm just absolutely amazed because I know what the sound has to sound like. I know what the video has to look like. I know what the format that they want. I know that they want to have some slides every once in a while. I know they like to have a talking head every once in a while. I know they like to have supplementary. I do a quiz. I listen to it. I then do a quiz at the end of each section. And the quizzes are usually funny. Like you, you, you should not be able to get my quiz questions wrong. Right, <laughs> but they're there to reinforce a specific point. So I don't want you to get them wrong. I want you, you know, and then we're done. And then it's a matter of what I, what like Mark said. I think the biggest thing is creating your marketing funnel and everything else. So if I'm working with somebody who actually has, um, you know, a little bit of a background and a little bit of a following, then I'm I'm ecstatic. If I'm working with somebody that I, maybe one of my clients or something, and they don't have a great following because that's just not really mm. what they were doing then it's a little it's a little harder but you know that's so I basically have a system I present the system to them at the beginning and they're going you mean all I gotta do is show up and talk for a couple hours and review something yeah why wouldn't I do that mm -hmm. so I never have a problem or got a question. Jonathan do you wanna uh, sorry Jeremy yep oh you know I was just wondering at what point um, do you go from making them an actual Udemy instructor through the Udemy platform versus, um, you know, say just paying someone to shoot the footage of them, say, lifting weights? Um, I thought about that idea before of, of finding the expert and then creating the course. Um, but, you know, you might have some people out there that aren't really knowledgeable with computers and the Internet and, uh, you know, all these other things. So where's that fine line of... Um, I'm going to take this information and let them be a, an actual co-instructor on Udemy versus I'm just going to pay this person to shoot the footage and then take that myself and be the sole instructor on Udemy for that information. I think the main, the main reason you might do that is because you need their expertise continually. 
because you need someone who's going to answer the questions. You see, so if you buy the, you, you could buy that, you could think I could buy it, buy it off them, pay them a couple of thousand dollars, and then I've got my course, it's on Udemy. They're going to throw you some questions, and you're not going to sort of be able to answer them. So I think a long-term relationship is really what we're looking at. But I just wanted to see, just quickly, if Jonathan had some, uh, you know, his production tips that he would, you know, as he, you know, obviously, I, I listened to how Scott does it. I did it very differently. I filmed it in the studio with the person, me and Gisela work by email, so doing it different ways. But obviously, you know, you was one of the first to go and do one of the big collaborative courses. So sure. what did you learn in that? What's, what's some of the key things? Yeah, so you're, uh, let me make sure I'm not muted. All right, I'm not muted. Uh, so your timing is very good on this question because I've only recently come to acknowledge the fact that I am a massive control freak. And... Uh, <laughs> And you know, I was I was talking to my co-instructor on Super Learner. We're doing a new course uh, teaching parents how to prepare their kids to be effective lifelong learners. And you know, we talked about should we get you and Anna on camera? Do, you know, should you write the scripts? How are we going to split this work nicely? And eventually, I came to the turn. I was like, you're a really really smart guy, but I I just need control. I need to make sure the scripts are the way I want them. I need the course to be structured the way I want them. I've never done a Q&A course because I I believe the secret to my success Sorry, is I extremely meticulously create a path for my students from day one to day 100. And I walk them through a learning journey because you can learn anything on YouTube today. You can learn anything on the Internet. The, I believe that the only reason people pay for our courses is that we shepherd them through the learning experience very, very deliberately and in a very structured fashion. So uh, that's why I've been very weary of like Q&A or having anyone else come in and do guest lectures. I mean, even talking to Jimmy Narain recently, you know, he wanted to offer to give a lecture on how to succeed on Udemy within our personal branding course. I said, that's great, but it needs to fall into exactly this very, very tight little area between lectures 37 and lectures 38 because that's where the student is going to be in their mindset in that point in the journey. And so I'm extremely meticulous about that. I'm extremely meticulous about the delivery. Uh, I want all professional uh, oration, proper speaking skills, proper facial expression. I mean, I go to... You guys can ask Anthony. Like I, I drove him crazy. He flew out here to Tel Aviv for a week, and I just dro drove him nuts. I was like, "You can't say this word, and we need to fix this, and make sure your hands are at your sides, and just crazy. I'm nuts." And uh, and I've realized like I'm okay with that. <laughs> hands up, who wants to work with Jonathan? Oh, I'm so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> but no, but the uh, what I what I what I liked about what you've done, Jonathan, is you, I think one of the things that comes across really clear is you go for some, you really go for top level experts, don't you? When you right. set out, you really want the creme de la creme that you're going to partner right. with. So, what what some of the things you did to get that sort of? Uh, well, really so yes and no. I mean, uh, I think we have to be realistic, right? I'm not getting the Tony Buzans and the uh, and the Harry Lorraines of the world, who are these guys who guys who've been around, who've been around, who've been around. Uh, I actually go for the guys who are extremely, extremely good at what they've done but haven't had the opportunity to branch out and go out and, and do these things. Um, I, think, uh, I think if you are in... If you know more than 90% of people, you're world-class in anything, right? If you are better than 90% of people at, uh, at gymnastics, right, you're not an Olympian, 
but you're pretty damn impressive. And so I'm not going for the Michael Jordans uh, when I collaborate. I'm working with people first and foremost that I want to work with and that I have access to and that are open to working with me and that I enjoy interacting with. Uh, and that's the guiding principle. And then it becomes, you know, wow, you have so much knowledge in this subject. Um, but I also, I don't narrow by who I'm teaching with. I narrow by what I'm interested in. And I don't teach courses on things that I'm not personally passionate about as a matter of principle. So it, it really allows me to narrow down very quickly. Okay, so that's a huge key, what you just said. Things that you're really passionate about. I think that's absolutely key. Yeah, well, it's a, you know, especially as someone who spends so much time thinking about branding and personal branding more specifically, uh, you, this is brand equity that I've spent years building up, right? I have a very, very distinct brand, and it's all about learning more, hacking more, getting more out of your mind, getting more out of your body. If I now come out with a, a programming course, what does that say about my brand? It's you become like the Willie Mays of Udemy, like, Willie Mays here for this product that has nothing to do with the product I was talking about last week, and I don't want to be that guy, you know. And also, look, the reason we're all here, the reason we're all entrepreneurs, it's, it's not about the money, it's about the choice and the freedom to work on whatever you want to work on, and not to be told, this is the project we're doing, team, and go for it. No, we're entrepreneurs because I want to do things that I want to do, and I want to work on my terms, so... Mm -hmm. Why, why give up that freedom that we all work so hard to establish? Mm, mm, yeah, excellent, excellent, very inspiring. Um, so well, we've got some issues now with trust. Um, I'm getting a little bit of... Uh, Gisela, can you just mute your mic? I'm getting a bit of echo from um, so When you're not speaking, just mute your mic. So let's talk about finding the right partners, trust issues, um, you know, because great, it could be the, you know, you could pick someone and they want to be, you know, you think they're the perfect person to be in your uh, course with you, but you, there's some issues, you know, we need, to, we need to think about contracts, you know, revenue splits, we need to think about whether we can work with that person, is that person going to support the course throughout its life? You know, who controls the IP, who controls the intellectual property of the course? All these things have to be sort of discussed. But let's just start with trust. And I know that Gisela uh, wanted to uh, uh, make a point on this. Um, so, Gisela, what, what, you have obviously got some thoughts about this issue. Yeah, um, I think that it's important that uh, uh, trust... Uh, I mean, it will come out by itself because when you partner with somebody, it's like it's like a marriage. I mean, you have to trust that person. But how do you trust? That would be the big question. How how do you trust someone you don't know? When you partner with someone in the that you meet in the OB community, for example, like how I partner with you or with God or, or with other uh, instructors. Uh, it, it's kind of a building trust, and the only way to build trust is to trust. There is no other way. You have to start trusting the other person, uh, inviting that person to give you that trust, and then trust begins to build up because of you begin to trust in the in the professional level of the other person. 
that the other person is an ethical person that, that will not do what should not be done in a partnership of this kind of thing, that that person will respect what you do and then you respect what the other person does. Uh, and besides uh, that, it, it has to do with uh, with trusting also the the outcomes, you know, of, of what uh, of what will come out of that partnership. Um, and uh, it has to do also with uh, shattering shattering. Uh, how can I say it? Shattering like the the self centered cocoon of. Uh, I, I do these things for myself and I don't want anybody else to come in here because I want all the revenues for me. I don't want to share my revenues, you know. And, and when you have to shudder that, you have to, to forget about it, you have to open your mind to, to sharing, to, okay, uh, uh, trusting that we both are going to produce something good, We'll, we'll share the revenue as well. I mean, it's, it's a kind of a... It, Trusting is a, it, I think it's a key thing, and I have found in my experience in Udemy trying to, you know, knocking at the door of someone to say, look, I would like, what would you think if we partner to do this and that together because I've seen your courses. It, that has happened to me a couple of times. I have just knocked at the door, and I have just one person didn't even have the had the courtesy to answer me back. That was one, and the other one said, no, thank you. And that was it. <laughs> so I said, okay, it, it, it's okay because the other, as, as I have the right to ask, the other person has the right to say no. So it's okay. I don't mind. Mm. But the thing is that why not trust? Or, mm. or no, 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 I will not let, how can I put you, you know, give you uh, access to my course, to the curriculum of my course? And so. People begin to imagine things and assuming things that maybe you will, uh, I don't know, do something wrong with, with my stuff. Or, you know, all these type of things that come up in any mind of, of the human being. And when you trust that person, that just goes away. It, it just, you trust and it flows in a way it should flow. Mm -hmm. Very simple, very easy, and mm -hmm. that's it, and that's it. And I think I think that brings us to just mute your microphone, just so I'm getting a bit of echo. Uh, um, I think that brings us to you know contracts, because um, I think on a relational level you've got to be able to trust someone, but you do need a contract. You know, uh, I'm a strong believer in contracts. And, Absolutely. You know, and how we can lay everything out. And, you know, I've developed mine with Gisela, and I use the same one with all the people I co-instruct with. Um, Jonathan, um, you've obviously, you know, you've had a lot of experience with this. What are some of the top tips when it comes to contracts? Yeah, so first and foremost, very, this is a tip for any contract you ever engage in. Very clear expectations of what is expected of each party. Uh, not only in terms of what their rights are, you know, uh, we in our contract go down to, can I use this course on Skillshare? Can I use this course on a white label? Can I use this course on Udemy? If, if another platform comes up, can I use it? So we're very specific. Uh, specific milestones that need to be set. For example, every month I have to report to my co-instructors. Technically, it's an intellectual property licensing agreement. Uh, the course is considered mine, and I license the IP from them. And every month I have to report to them because it was very important to them that I'm not inserting things that they don't agree with. 
and, and then representing them as their own research. So th that's just one example of something that may be important to you or to the person you partner with who owns this IP. I have to report and say, these are the changes that I've made. Here's an itemized list. Here's the information that I've added or taken out. And, and they can preserve the integrity of their material. Um, the other thing is having a, a specified time period, renewal, and just for convenience sake, you know, if, if all else goes well, this contract will automatically renew, right? But you have an exit clause after so many years, right? So never sign indefinite contracts, of course. Okay, excellent. Thank you, Jonathan. Some, some uh, really, really top tips there. Um, does anybody else want to add anything about the contracts before we talk about revenue splits? I think we're good. So let's just... Let's well, actually, Mark, um, while you're on the subject about um, contracts, um, there is a few questions about um, copyright, which I think would, would fall um, in, the, in the, um, the contract section, if you like. Did you want to yes. hear some of those? Yeah, I can see. I can see Sheila's asked there. Um, copyright question is really important, not only for the course, but for the resources that have to be made to support the courses, like illustrations. Yeah, I think you have to be very careful about who. You have to be very clear about who owns what and what. Jonathan was just saying with the intellectual property rights. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, there's like you said, you license those. Like what when we're doing the free new courses that are coming out this month. Um, Phil's finished editing them now, and we'll launch them at the end of the month, so we can slow down a little bit. But you know, um, Stephen, who's our co-instructor, it's his system, it's his intellectual property. So what I've licensed is the right to market that. That's essentially what I've done, um, and that I can market that on my Udemy channel. So you know, you do have to be very clear about who owns what. Um, I think it's probably worth mentioning as well, Mark, that we've got two things here. We've got one where you're approaching another instructor to create a course using their um, expertise, and you, or where you're the creator of the course, and then you're branching out to collaborate with somebody maybe to do a translation. So there's, there's two different scenarios, isn't there, where the contract has been drawn up, and that might help people understand it. Yeah, yeah, but in the, in the case like with me and Gisela, well, mm -hmm. you know, we, we've got our agreement, and I'm, I'm the intellectual property. I own all the intellectual property, but Gisela is guaranteed um, her revenue share and rights, and that. So in, in the sense of you've got to decide who is the person that leads out? I think that's really, really key. Who's the person that's going to be in control of the project? And that's what I think Jonathan was just talking about is, you know, he's still in control, but there's things in there, there's safety checks to make sure that his control doesn't go beyond the remit of what they've agreed. Um, and I think that's important is to understand when you put a course on Udemy, um, one instructor controls that course. You can add it, but you can remove that instructor. So that's why you need a contract, because I could say, great, Gisela, come and translate my course. She translates, I say, all right, Gisela, off you go. Are you with me? That's why you need a contract, because Udemy will step in on those issues, but I guarantee if it starts to become a legal thing, they're going to drop their hands back, and they're not going to want to get involved. Speaking, and, and, speaking yeah. of legal, there is a question that's just come up as well from, from Nancy. Um, is there any such thing as a specialist lawyer? So, obviously, we're talking about legal. I mean, how far do you go? Do you, do you run it by a lawyer? You know, how? I mean, maybe Jonathan is talking yeah, about. Yeah, Jonathan. What What would you say to that? Is it? Did you take your contract to sort of a legal level? 
Uh, no. So our contract, I find in my experience, most everything out there is available under the Creative Commons license. Uh, whether you're getting funding for your startup or you're doing an IP agreement. We took pretty much a form contract and Lev and I are both pretty proficient in legalese um, and we just modified it to our own our own liking. It ultimately, you know, well first and foremost, it, we hope we never have to use the contract but also as long as the intention is properly conveyed uh, is it completely 100% legally airtight? Probably not, but I think any binding arbitration would look at it and say, okay, here's the intention of what was supposed to be. And so it, it's more there as a, as a deterrent than anything, and it, it's one of those 80-20 things, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Again, again, there is a subject of trust. Sorry, just Gisela, yes. Exactly. That there is a subject of trust added to what Jonathan just said. I mean, you have the contract, but there is trust. There is trust. Uh, totally. For example, for example, I don't have a contract with Scott. I know he's a serious person. I mean, he's, and he knows I'm not going to. I don't. I, at least that's what I assume. You know, but it, when when trust trust has to be there. I mean, independently or additional to any contract that you sign. Mm, I, I think it's, Mark, the one other question um, has come up as well from Robin uh, on the subject of contracts. Does Udemy offer these contracts? Um, I'm not. Do they have a template? Or no, I don't think no, they, they, they don't. They do. don't get involved. I think Jonathan's tip was great. Go on online, have a look for some, you know, some templates or anything like that. Um, you know, and. There'll be stuff out there that you can use that's going to give you a thing. And remember, like Jonathan said, it's an excellent point. You know, these are agreements. If they went to court, they wouldn't be, you know, this is not a lawyer signing them off to lawyers. But, you know, they, they, they are going to help you define the relationship and what comes out of the relationship. And Chisela is absolutely right. Without trust, it doesn't sort of mean, you know, it's not going to work. You don't trust the person. A contract is there to protect both parties, and both parties understand what their obligations are. Jonathan, did you want to add to that? No, no, you said it best. Okay, Jeremy, did you want to sort of weigh in on this because? Um... Yeah, I, I, I just am thinking of different questions as y'all are talking about this, and something that I was concerned about is, um, what are international laws when it comes to contracts? Uh, when you pull up a contract and you're working with someone who's uh, in a different country. Are you pulling up just a generic contract, and that contract will hold water because of what it says? And then uh, another question to that is, is this a signed and written contract, or could you have something like a recorded uh, Skype call where you all talked about these types of things? Um, yeah, Jonathan, yeah. Uh, go ahead, go ahead. No, you carry on. Uh, well, I was going to say, they are signed and written contracts, uh, usually just a PDF, uh, digitally signed. In most of the places I do business, uh, digital signatures hold water, so that's great. If not, a sign-in scan will hold water everywhere in the world. Uh, most places, the legal system, in my experience, is pretty similar. At least here in Israel and in the U.S., it's all based on uh, like Commonwealth law. It's all virtually the same as the British legal system. At least that's what I've been told by numerous lawyers. But in every contract you have, uh, you have a little line towards the end that says, if, if uh, the doo-doo hits the fan, if you will, here's what will happen. 
And in uh, my contracts, it says typically this will go to a binding arbitration, not a legal uh, process, if you will, like like you would see on television, right? We're just not going to go to a judge and jury. It's going to go to a binding arbitration, uh, which will be governed by the laws of X. And X is a negotiation if you're both, you know, wherever. Usually you pick some middle ground. Uh, if you have a company, so I now have a company that's formed in Nevada, even though I live in Israel. So any contract I sign, uh, I tell the other party, like, I don't care if you're in Germany or whatever, it's going to be governed by the laws of Nevada, which is pretty fair. Like, you know, it's not a totalitarian regime. It's not like I'm asking for the laws of North Korea. It's pretty agreeable for everyone. The laws are in English as opposed to, you know, if I were going to try and read the legalese in German or have the proceedings done in German, that'd be unfair for everybody. So, uh, I've even signed contracts where it would, you know, the the binding arbitration would occur in the United Kingdom under the the British legal system, and that's fine as well. It's just a matter of specifying out in the beginning, like whose laws are we going to abide by. Excellent. Awesome. Thank you. Mark, Mark, there is another question um, that's come up. I think the topic of contracts is obviously a, a hot yes. one. Yes, um, I want to get to some other stuff as well, so okay. let's just make this the last one. Okay, then. Um, Scott's asked, is there resources um, the panel can point us to beyond Creative Commons that goes into detail about legal obligations and contracts? So I don't know whether the, the panel have got any suggestions. Or do, maybe we could supply some links at the end. The easy answer to that is go to the yellow pages, look under lawyer, and pick one, and go talk to him. <laughs> yeah, I think if you, I think if you're really concerned, always get. Remember, what we're sharing tonight isn't legal advice. We're not legal experts. We're just sharing how we've handled it. So you've got different types of contracts. You've got Scott and Gisela have got a verbal contract. They've got an agreement. They know what they're supposed to be doing. You know, we've got um, a, a written contract with Gisela. Uh, Jonathan's got a very tight contract, much tighter than we actually use. So it depends really on you. And if you're really concerned, I do think that Scott's absolutely right. You should go and speak to someone who has a legal background or is an expert in you know, uh, contracts and contract management. But I don't want to get caught here all night because we've got lots of... Do they have a lawyer in is or a Yellow Pages in Israel? <laughs> And uh, yeah, we have a pretty high, as you can imagine, the stereotype goes. We have a pretty high density of doctors and lawyers in Israel. So, <laughs> no, I meant yellow pages. He said, "Look up the yellow pages." I didn't know if y'all had that over there. Oh yeah, uh, we've got, yeah, we've got it in England as well. Yeah, but it's yeah. about this big. As soon as I said it, I knew I was dating myself. Thank you. Yeah, Dave. I was gonna say. I think we call it Google now. It's the Rainbow Pages. <laughs> well, the alphabet pages, apparently. Anyway, so um, revenue splits. I want to talk about revenue splits, and you know, okay. So I've got this course. I want you to come in and help me with it. I'm gonna take 95%. You to me, you're gonna charge 3%, and you're gonna get 2%. How's that go? I think, really? <laughs> I think I think what it is, you know, how do you how do we think about it? Now, I'm just going to personally say for me, is when I'm dealing with somebody, it's about the amount of work that's being put in and the ongoing support. So for me and Gisela, I'm very open. It's 50/50 straight away, no issue there whatsoever because Gisela's supporting the course, and the same agreement I've got with the other co-instructor because we're equal. So I didn't know if anybody else had any thoughts on revenue Can share and how they approach that. A real quick question. 
real yes. quick question before we start, which might help clear up some of the waters. Um, you know, Unimi has three pricing structures. So you got the 97, 3% split, the 50-50, and then the 25-75 based on uh, affiliate links. So the question I, I, I want to know is when you get to the uh, instructor split, is that after Udemy has done their revenue split? So is it, you know... Uh, 3%, 97%, and then we split the 97, and then 50-50, we split the 50, and then the you know 25-75, do we split the 25? How does that work? Yeah, very simple. Basically, all that happens is that, uh, you know, whatever's left after Udemy are taken there and the affiliates are taken there as you split that 50-50, or whatever you decide. So that's basically how it works. Whatever's left after all the charges have been made, after everyone else has taken their commission, you know, you decide then how much you split. So that's how they work it out. And you can actually go into your dashboard on the co-instructor and you can specify how much the other instructor receives. Now, that's why I was saying it's important to have a contract because it says 50-50, but there's nothing stopping the, the person who's the lead instructor on the course going, well, actually, I don't agree, 70-30 now. And they can change that, and the other instructor can't really challenge that unless they've got a contract with Udemy. So that's one of the reasons why you've got to be careful. Can the other instructor see that amounts on their side of the, the uh, you know, if you were the owner and I'm not the owner, uh, can I see what you're changing in there? Yes, I believe that's the case. Is that correct, Jonathan? Every instructor can see. Uh, so I'm going to admit, actually, uh, in, in my courses, except for the most recent one where Anthony and I are 50-50, none of my other co-instructors have editing permissions. <laughs> Okay. Uh, and I, I should take Gisela's advice and be more about trust, but uh, for me, it, it's more just that I administer and I, I do all the like heavy lifting. And, and as I said, they're licensed as my courses that license intellectual property from someone else. Mm -hmm. So I, I actually don't know, to be honest. Okay, yeah, so I can say on my courses that you know I set the, the revenue inside that and Gisela can see that as far as I'm aware. So that might be something you go and check. Um, but that's my understanding there. So anyone want to have some thoughts about how you might split revenue? So, uh, Scott, what's your thoughts on this? I, I just keep it really, really simple. I just say, you know what, It's uh, we're splitting it 50-50. Uh, Gisela translated a course where I had a co-instructor, and so the way Udemy sets it up is they set it up as they get 50%, and then you have to split the rest of the 50%, even though there are situations where it's 95 They just put it that way and make it, or 97%, they put it that way because that's the way the form is. So we were in a situation where it was 16, 16, and 17, and they're like, who gets the 17%? So I said, well, you know, Gisela should, she's translating it. And, and the co-instructor said, yeah, she's translating it. She's actually doing more work than us. We've done the work. She should get it. And she says, no, she shouldn't. Uh, <laughs> she should get the 16%. So we had a big fight over who got the 17%. We finally... <laughs> After a couple black eyes, we're able to resolve that issue. So I, I just keep it simple. I say, look, we put the course up. You and I work together on whatever we need to work together on to do it. And uh, here are kind of the rules. Like Jonathan said, I, I'm very clear on what everyone's expected to do. And then I just say, you know, we just split it like because it's easy. And nobody, nobody, I find, first of all, they're not huge courses and we don't have 40,000 students. Maybe we'll all feel differently when we do. But... I just find that it just it just makes it easy, and then I do need their participation for their you know on the continuing along. So uh, it, it's not like you do it and then you're done. No, like Giselle, 
she's done this one course, but we're going to sit down, we're going to figure out how we can translate other stuff so that we can get into the Spanish market even more. And by the way, I want to say that we're actually starting to make some sales, which is absolutely astounding. <laughs> yes, Spanish sales are coming in. It's, it's kind of how many, how many instructors can you, you had three, how, what's the limit Udemy gives you for uh, co-instructors? Mm. I don't think they have ever thought of that. No. Uh, Jonathan, I know you've got... I think you should have, if, if you have three, it's you and the other instructor and then somebody who's translating. And that's so, so, Jonathan, do you set it up as a co-instructor or do you, do you set it up as yours and then you deal with the revenue afterwards? Uh, I mean, it's set up as a co-instructor, but you can specify whether or not you give editing permissions or not. Uh, and I set it up as a co-instructor because I'm leaning heavily on the expertise of my co-instructors, right? I mean, a huge part of my branding is... I don't, I don't want to call it, uh, like, mad scientist, but I, I invoke images of that. You know, they're these, this genius husband and wife couple who came up with this brilliant methodology that they've been teaching to children with learning disabilities for, like, a decade... I mean, it, that invokes some, like, powerful uh, powerful imagery and gives a ton of credibility to the method. So I want their picture up there front and center. Uh, and I want to lean on their methods as much as I possibly can. Otherwise, I'm not getting the value, uh, you know, that I'm paying for in, in the licensing agreement. Uh, the other thing I want to say, though, is I, I used to believe in the 50-50, and I used to believe in kind of nice, simple numbers. And just through running startups, I realized... Uh, both through running startups and through business school and stuff like that, I realized that it's rarely ever 50-50 work distribution. And I find that everyone is happier and feels more compensated when it's uh, very clear that the numbers were based on some kind of calculation. So whether it's hours put in, whether it's resources brought to the table, I mean, let me pose a hypothetical. Uh, I create a course with someone who's got 5,000 students on Udemy, we both bring exact same amount of information and we both do the same amount of hours composing the course, but when I send out the promotional announcement, it goes to 40,000 people, he sends it out to 5,000 people. Now, I've done this in the past, right, with promotions and I've generated a few thousand dollars in an afternoon in sales and they've generated a few hundred dollars. Is 50-50 really fair, all else being equal? Um, and so, you know, you, you want to get to a situation uh, where you don't have resentment being built in because then people divest and then people say, you know what, what's the point? I'm not getting justly compensated for the value I bring and that's what I had in one of my startups, which is not a fun situation. So I would, I would uh, implore you guys to have those negotiations up front. And again, it comes back to the contract. I'm going to do X. I'm going to bring this many students. I'm going to do all the editing and this and that and the other, and that's going to be about 60 hours. You're going to do about 30 hours of writing. Right, let's calculate it. I've, I've even gone so far as to create long spreadsheets, weight each uh, criteria, and then use that mm. as some kind of complex calculation. Mm. Mm. Okay, so that's... Um, Mark, we have, um, yeah. we have a question about revenue. Yeah. If I can bring that in. Scott... Um, for revenue sharing purposes, does Udemy require instructors or can one person teach while the other works more on the technical side of producing uh, a course? So I think just, yeah, I'm just, I'm yeah, just going to come to that. Come to that. 
um, in a second. But I just wanted to finish off this point on the revenue spend. I just wanted to point out to people. Um, Jonathan, just mute your mic for a second, would you please? It's, I'm just getting a bit of That's fine. Um, what I wanted to point out was that the Udemy system, when you set up the portions within the system, it's automatically paid out, so you don't have to worry about that. It's not like at the end of the month you're given a lump of money and you've got to give them. As the sales come in, it goes straight into their fund, straight into your fund. Sorry, just the one point to save you guys a lot of heartache. You cannot do half percentages. <laughs> so if you, spit, if you split, say, 75-25, well, as uh, Jeremy was saying, you then they divide that. So a 75-25 split becomes a 38.5, 12.5 split because Udemy takes 50. You can't do that. So let's say hypothetically you had this 38-5, 12-5 split. Uh, you then, one person has to get that extra half a percent and it becomes an accounting nightmare to have to pay that extra half percent to them at the end of every month. Just know this. Like split it 38, 38-12 uh, evenly or whatever it is, you know? Okay, yeah, sorry, top, top, top <laughs> tip there. Okay, okay. Hope everyone caught that. Um, so sorry, Phil, you was asking. You was just saying you had a... To make yes, a we had a, a question from Scott. Um, is there resources... Oh, no, that's a different one. Where is it? This thing about the Q&A, it jumps around. Here we go. Uh, for the revenue sharing purposes, does Udemy require instructors or can one person teach while the other works? more on the technical side um, of producing a course. That's perfect timing because we're just coming to that question now. Now according to Udemy's guidelines and the first two bits are very very clear. So what you can do is I've just brought out a, a new link. I'll, I'll put a link to that in the, the YouTube video. Uh, what you can do is you can co-produce, so if you've got technical skills and the other person has the knowledge, you can do that now. Now, they've just changed that at the end of July. It wasn't the case before because I asked and they told me no. But I think in the past it was possible. Then they sort of said, no, 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 you can't do it anymore. And then I think a few top instructors must have sort of said, well, hang on a minute, this isn't working because we've been doing this. And now they've said yes. So you can co-produce. So if you've got the technical skills, and that makes sense because some people don't have the technical skills, you can do the video production, the editing. You know, you can uh, get out there and, and help them produce that course. They can co. You can co-manage as well. So you can hire someone to come in and pay them a revenue split, maybe for managing the queries. Where it gets a little bit sticky is the co-marketing. Now. From reading their rules, and I'll put the link in, and you can try and figure it out yourself. From reading their rules, the hard and fast of it is one of you should be marketing, not two. However, they gave us a clarification in the Udemy faculty lounge to de uh, on Friday, because I was asking this question in preparation for this Hangout, and you can co-market co as long as you are both creating the course from scratch as a course. Now, what they don't want people doing is this. Hey, Scott, you know, or me going to Jonathan saying, Jonathan, look, let me just add you to my course. Uh, you've got 40,000 students, and then you can sell them, send them a blast and sell my course, and we'll split it 50-50. Can't do that. That's what they're really trying to stop. You know, and as marketers, we're always thinking, oh, yeah, I just add myself, and, you know, can't do that. So the way they're sort of explaining it, is 
create the course from scratch with someone. Okay, so from scratch, like when Gisela translates into Spanish, that is an effect. Even though there's an original course, she's adding value, she's adding content. So you can do that, but you can't take an old course and just add an instructor to it. Can't do that because that's game in the system. So you can market, and this is my understanding. You know, go and read it for yourself. But you can two people can market, but you've got to both be genuinely involved in the course and the production. Uh, and in the presentation. Now, how I don't think you have to both be in the course anymore. I think you can have someone there who's who's maybe marketing the course, but that's the bit I'm not completely clear about. And I don't know if anybody else. I don't know if you've got any insights on this, Jonathan, because you've been around for a while and sort of you. What's your understanding of this at the moment? Yeah, I mean, so I actually didn't know that that was an issue because Eleven and Anna never appear on my course whatsoever. Uh, but I will say that they're extremely active in answering questions. Um, so while I'm 100% of the recorded content, they're answering the questions in the back end. So I think probably our course came out before this was an issue, before people kind of got clever and tried to... And I've had people approach me and say, hey, let me just add you as a co-instructor and give you 30% or whatever. Um, so I think uh, I think that was not an issue. Udemy saw that they're really very active, at least in the back end of the course. And I think that's the key thing. It's about the other person that's partnering being active in the course. But what I would say is this. Before you even create the course, email Udemy and get them to sign off on that course. Are you with me? Especially when it comes to the marketing. Production is fine. Co-management is absolutely fine. When it comes to the, the dual marketing, get that signed off by them so that you're not bitten later on because the reason they get funny about it... I've just, got, uh, just mute yourself, Jonathan. I've just got sorry. Oh, I'm so sorry. About That's all right. Um, the reason they get funny about it is, is because this happens. What people do is you get two co-instructors go on to the course. Okay, so then they start just emailing all their followers. People get annoyed because they're like, why are you emailing me this course from this guy? They unsubscribe. And when they unsubscribe, they don't unsubscribe from your, they unsubscribe from Udemy emails. So what's just happened now is they've just unsubscribed from your course, but all the other instructors as well. So that's why Udemy don't want us bombarding and, and thinking. And this comes back to something I meant to mention earlier. When you're picking someone to do, and you want to try and find someone to help you market, make sure they're not people that use blackout marketing techniques, because that'll get your account closed down if Udemy click on. Very careful. In fact, be more careful, I think, when picking someone to market than anything else, because that's when you know, you're, you've got the risk of losing an account if you don't behave ethically on the on the Udemy platform. And you've got to remember, a lot of people out there, their idea of marketing is black hat, how to manipulate and trick and beat the system. You don't want them on your courses. So, uh, How do you beat the system, Mark? Come on, tell us. I can't. Not allowed. No. <laughs> no. What, what I'm saying is, have a, have, a genuine, have a genuine marketing strategy and a marketing funnel you know that in two weeks, folks. Black Hat OV marketing's hangout. <laughs> listen to Scott. Join my new Udemy course, Black Hat Marketing. <laughs> oh dear. Okay. 
Um, so we're getting near the end. I just wanted to just quickly. I wanted some. I wanted to go in. Did we catch all the questions, Phil? Let me can, just. Can, can, can I add something to that real quick? Yeah. I was just going to say, you know, um, thinking about what Jonathan does, where he goes and, and finds the expert and is able to uh, record them. I think that that's very powerful. That kind of opens my eyes to to a lot of things because if if you're going to find the expert in something and create a course with them, then you're going to get their market and you're you're uh, opening yourself up to a lot more of a base with different people because you're you're pulling in the weightlifters market or or what have you, uh, opposed to maybe just searching out another Udemy instructor and marketing with them because you know those paths probably cross all the times anyways. You know we're both uh, blasting Facebook pages for coupons. You know that ain't gonna work out too well. But I definitely like that idea of going and and uh, curating that information and making a course off of that because I feel like now you've opened yourself up to a whole new market that you can maybe because people like different skills. You know that weightlifter might also be a programmer. Who knows? You know, and now you've kind of captured them. So I, I think that that's genius. Yeah, we what what I've just done. I've just done exactly the same thing. The guy I've just done some. This is a this is one of the leading experts in the UK on business improvement. And we've gone in, we've done this course with him, and I'm doing the course. and And I don't know if uh, Jonathan, you had the same experience, but you know, I'm having to learn so much because this guy is operating at such a high level in this stuff. You know, I'm in there going through his course material. You know, and I. It really does. In fact, it's been really powerful because it's really impacted what I'm going to be doing in my next course because I've learned so much from this guy. But when you bring that sort of level of expertise in, and it does tie into my current product range, so I'm not stepping outside of that. And I think that was a really important point Jonathan made there. Make sure it fits into one of the silos of products that you're actually operating or it links to your brand. But I think, you know, when, when I've gone through that process, I found it a little bit hard work because I. I, I find it easy to instruct a course I understand. If it's a subject I know, I can really do them quick. You know, I don't mean nasty quick, I mean thoroughly but quick. But this one, it really slowed me down because I had to learn a lot of new stuff. So be prepared for that as well, guys, when you're doing it. So the other thing I wanted to say before we get final thoughts is very conscious of the time. Uh, be clear in the promo video and text who is in the course. So what you want to be doing is making sure in your promotional video you're mentioning, you're telling people the instructors you've got in there. They don't want to be signing up for your course and then never seeing you in the course or not understanding why they're not in the, you're not in the course. So it's really important to do that at the beginning. And Jonathan sort of touched on that earlier. He actually uses that as marketing leverage. So that's a great way to do that. Is that true for production also? If someone was just editing my videos, do I still need to mention them? Um, I don't I don't know if you would in that case because they're not going to see them. But in the, if if they want to be co-instructors on the course, you know I don't think it would hurt to mention the people so that you know people know there's someone else in the background. I don't think it hurts because they want exposure as well because they might do that for you. They might not mean the direct marketing benefit, but then they might want to partner with someone else so they can show that they've got those Udemy courses. So I think that's something to to let people might, know. Maybe not in the promo. What do you think, Scott? It it really depends on your relationship with them. Like I have a video editor, and she's great, and I just send her the stuff, and she edits it, and I make her an editor in the course with zero because I'm paying her to do the job. She's not uh, an instructor in terms of 
what I look at in terms of an instructor. So my answer would be no, the video editor or the person that's just uploading it or when I do uh, uh, take a course and I it's in English and I want to make it in Spanish, I get her, I say take this course, I've, I've set it up over here, take everything, stick it in there and then I can tell Gisela she can go and and uh, and start translating. So she's basically like my VA, so she's not at all involved in it at all. And I wouldn't recommend someone that's just kind of doing that. You know, it's important work, but it's not the creative instructing work to, to be mentioned at all. Unless you yeah. want at the end, just say, by the way, big thank, big shout out, thanks to our video editor, Susie or George or whoever it is. But, yeah, I think I think what you've got there in your scenario, Scott, is you're actually paying them. But if they're actually, see, what, one of the things we probably haven't mentioned is that, you know, two people might come together and one does a video production and the editing and the only time they get paid is when the revenue share comes out. Right. And in that instance, I think they would be thingy. Um, obviously, Jonathan's got to leave us. I really appreciate Jonathan thanking you uh, for that. If you've got any coupon codes, let us know. I'll stick one of those in the YouTube yeah, video. Yeah, yeah. Great to um, have you here. You Final thoughts before you go, John. Um, look, uh, ultimately, at the end of the day, it all comes down to creating quality products. Ideally, if you can create higher quality products with high quality individuals, that's the name of the game, but don't, uh, you know, don't treat it like uh, many people treat having a child to improve a marriage. At the end of the day, it's all about creating a quality, quality product with or without other people in there. And I'm going to give you guys a link to my personal profile, which has most of my stuff, and I'll give you guys all a really, really nice deep discount link to my new course, which explains how I do what I do and how I branched from Udemy to the wider world of Amazon and iTunes. So I'll put that in the chat, and, uh, and I'll give you guys some short links. That's excellent. Thank you, Jonathan. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. Such a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks, Jonathan. Uh, I think that's. Uh, I think we're going to wrap up now. Anyway, is there any final questions, Philomena? Yes, there was. Um, yeah, there was one from um, Andre. Um, what's the best method to find potential co-instructors? Um, I know we touched on before. You got you know, There's got to be trust element. Um, but I suppose. Maybe you find them on forums, an existing relationship. Have we got any sort of tips as to how we would um, maybe approach other people? Okay, yes, I think I think we should uh, uh, have a go answering that. Scott, do you have some thoughts on that? Well, the people that I have uh, done my courses with predominantly have been people that I've been uh, that have been actually my clients because I got into Udemy, was really excited. Who am I going to tell? But clients that I've been working with for ten years, and they all got excited and they all jumped on board. And then the last course that I did on podcasting uh, was actually, uh, he's a coach in Moncton, and he put something on Facebook, and I thought, oh, this is really well done. So I wanted to see his funnel, so I followed it, and he, I got this PDF, I got that PDF, it was all on podcasting, and, and a little slice of what he was sort of uh, pr prospecting for, <laughs> man, this guy's brilliant. So I contacted him and I said, I love what you just did and I've got this course, you can take a look at it and I'd love to do uh, a course on Udemy on a specific topic that kind of tied into what he was promoting but wasn't, it was tangential to it, so I knew he knew it, and which was basically is how do you get guests or how do you become a guest on other podcasts, right? And, uh, and he said, sure. So 
So basically, it's just look around and see who's interesting. I mean, I would never um, go. I would never like think, oh, Bill Gates. I'll go contact him if I had no reason. Okay. So I'll give you another example. Lipsyn is the number one podcast host company in the world. They have like two hundred thousand podcast shows on. I mean, they're massive, right? They have like a billion downloads a month of podcast episodes. So I'm on LinkedIn and I get this message, and the guy is the vice president of podcaster relations for Lipson. Well, he wants to be my friend on LinkedIn, so I email him, like I accept him, and then I email him. I say, "Wow, this is really cool, and I have a, a podcasting platform, and this is why I built it." And, it, and I didn't know about you guys because if I had known about those guys, I wouldn't have. I would have just gone with them. I told him that, and I said, you know, here's some ideas I have about podcasting that I'd like to talk to you about. One has to do with nonprofits, which would be really amazing if if I could get him to go for that. And then I said, also, I did this course, and I talked about my podcast world, which is my hosting. But I'd love to kind of get in and share with my students Lipson. Well, what's he going to say? Call me, right? which is what he did today. I got the email says, yeah, like let's get together and talk about this stuff. Because he loved to expose Lipson to, you know, 7 million people on Udemy if that's, you know, if that mm. if that could happen. So, I just say look around and see what uh, mm. what you've got around and start there. But what you're doing there, Scott, is actually a little bit counterintuitive and I like it because it's counterintuitive. You're actually doing what most people wouldn't do. And it's what Gisela was talking about earlier, is reaching out in your industry and looking to collaborate within the industry. You know, you're not worried about competition. You're thinking, this guy knows this. How can I get him, you know, to work with me? And we can both make money together. And I hope that's an inspiration for a lot of people. I just wanted to get Gisela to sort of um, just, you know, what some practical tips on, on collaborating, Gisela, and especially with the translation, because we didn't get a chance to talk about that as, probably as much as I like. Um, so if somebody was going to work with a translator, you know, give us some short w tips in a minute as what you'd be what you'd be advising them to look for if they were looking for someone to work with to translate their course into a different language. Well, first you have to decide... Uh, which language you want to translate the, your course to and of course find the expert in that language uh, to be a good translator interpreter uh, there we have a hangout that we talk about that and we are very specific and we go into depth about uh, about this but uh, I think it, it would be uh, finding someone who can really interpret your course and translate it and, and there, it, it depends on what you want to do. You can decide to do what I do for you or for Scott that is just translating and subtitling the course or you can decide voice over it which is another thing. You, can, you hire someone to translate it or and or voice over your course, so there are not subtitles, or there can be subtitles, and there is someone talking in the language that you want you want him or her to talk um, in the in the course. It, it depends on what you want to do. Well, uh, but, uh, what I'll suggest, Gisela, 
is that people, um, we've got that hangout, like you said, where we talked about translating courses into different languages. So go to my YouTube channel, look in the playlist, and you'll see that we did a member spotlight with Gisela. But if you're okay, Gisela, I'd like people to be able to pop into the community, the OV community, and if they want any advice on uh, translating, because Gisela's our resident expert in the OV community when it comes to translating. She's not just done this with Udemy. She's been doing it on YouTube videos for a long time. She's been, she, this is part of what she does for a living. So there's a lot of information. So can I encourage people to get in touch, Gisela, if they want some advice or they want to reach out? Would that be okay? Perfectly okay. Uh, as a matter of fact, I got in contact with your friend, translator, Olivia, mm -hmm. and I, I'm, I'm open to, to give any advice or to share what I do. I mean, it, it, I mean, I think it's part of the sharing in the community, in the OB community. We are yes. there for that, to help each other and to uh, give each other hints of what you do and what I do and and help each other, you know, to grow together. I think that that is part of of what I do, and and I feel it's my mission, you know, as a human mm -hmm. being, to share with others what I know. I mean, more mm -hmm. more I believe that uh, thoughts, that knowledge is universal. I, I I am not the owner of what I know. It's all universal. So I, for some reason or, or or other, I got to know what I know, and I don't mind sharing it. So, if anyone wants to get in touch with me through the OB community for for any questions about it, I'd be really, really happy to share. I have a question. Thank you, Gisela. Yes. Yeah. Jeremy. Uh, Gisela, are you doing any courses right now? Because I got five that could be translated. <laughs> <laughs> He didn't listen. Talk about that. Gisella, you it, didn't hear that. You didn't hear that, Gisella. Sorry? You didn't hear that. He didn't say anything. <laughs> you know, it's been interesting because it's uh, through, an, through a freelance, through a freelance um, web page or place I work for where I get my projects and support. There was a project where they hired me to do a voiceover for a uh, for a meditation tutorial, so classes or whatever. And what was my surprise when I finished doing the the, the job, the, the the project? It happened that it was for a Udemy instructor. So it was great for me because I'm not going to appear there. He hired my services and he paid me, and that was it. But uh, I did the voiceover for that course, and it's going to be in Udemy. So mm -hmm. that that's really interesting, you know. So. <laughs> <laughs> what does he say there? He said, what? I will. I will what? Private I don't, I can't <laughs> Okay, guys, we need to wrap up now. Um, it's a great conversation. Lots of people, I'm sure, are going to get a lot of benefit from this. Really want to thank everyone for being on here. So, final thoughts. Uh, I'm going to start with Gisela, then Jeremy, Philomena, Scott, and then I'll close at the end. So, uh, quick final thought. Gisela? Yeah, I, I would uh, invite everybody who, who wants to or has the idea of partnering just, just to take the risk and do it. Uh, many things can happen. Uh, take the risk just to ask. Uh, it could happen. The worst thing that could happen is that the, somebody tells you no, and that's it. 
or never answers you. And it happens to me. And it's okay. Uh, and you take the risk of partnering with someone. Uh, and usually, at least in my experience, every time I've partnered with someone, in many cases in, in during my profession, professional work, uh, I mean, I would say that 99% of the time it's been a positive outcome. Um, you take the risk, of course, but it, I mean, take the, just take the risk. I invite you to take to take the risk. Give the step forward. Thank you, Gisela. Jeremy, closing thoughts for you. Yeah, you know, this uh, has been great. Thanks for putting this together, Mark. We all really appreciate it. Um, I just want to say that, you know, I've learned a lot. I know other people will. Um, you know, we see, I see three different types of co-instructors here like you talked about. You could have two Udemy instructors who are collaborating to make courses. Uh, you could have a production instructor type situation or you could have an expert uh, instructor type situation. Um, and these are just all very eye-opening for me. I think you can do a whole lot of uh, different things with this. You can seek out other Udemy instructors and make courses. You can go find the expert like Jonathan's doing and create courses that way. I feel like that opens up a whole world of opportunity and that's one reason why I've always loved the Udemy platform. I've always considered myself as that, you know, uh, what is it, um, uh, good at everything, master at none. Um, but I love a whole bunch of different things and I feel like this gives me the opportunity to find different people to get together with and instruct with and it's like just Ella said it, it all begins with trust and uh, you know back to your point of, of where you find people you gotta find people that you trust you gotta find I think people that you have a close relationship with and and look at your um, close circle of friends and, and uh, co-workers first when finding people people you already know you know, uh, I, I'm a surfer. I love surfing. Maybe if I want to do a surfing course, I might go get one of my buddies who's a pro surfer and, and film them. But I think, like she said, it all begins with that trust. If you don't have trust in any relationship in life, uh, it's going to fall apart. You know, the contract, uh, you definitely want to have that legal system in place. But I feel like, you know, you definitely have to have that trust at the beginning. Um, finding other Udemy instructors, you know, talking to y'all, uh, building relationships, and, I mean, paying attention to what people are saying and the way they act. I mean, I can look in the Udemy Studio Facebook page and tell you people I would never uh, co-instruct with because of the way they respond to people, the way they treat people, the way they uh, do the black hat or unethical type things. So I think it starts with trust. I think you find, um, you know, people with... Uh, different experiences than you. Um, you know, I'm good at producing. I'm not good at writing. So maybe I find someone who's a better writer than me and we get together, those types of things. But I just want to say I uh, really appreciate this hangout and having me on here. I definitely learned a lot, and hopefully I was able to ask some questions that some other people had too. So thanks, Mark. Mm, no, it was great having you, Jeremy, and uh, we, we look forward to having you on future Hangouts as well. Because, And I think it's really, really inspiring what's gone today. You've got Jonathan's method, you know, my my approach and what we're doing with Gisela and then what Scott's done. I think what Scott's done is very, very inspiring, you know, reaching out into your industry and finding people. So I'm hoping people get a lot of inspiration from that. Philomena, final thoughts? Um, my final thoughts are it's really exciting opportunities uh, for, for collaborating. If you know you've got an existing course, you'd be open to the idea of maybe getting it translated. Um, perhaps you could contract some of it out. 
the video production or management, and then it frees your time up maybe to do more of the things that you like to do. So it's just be open to the idea, and as, as Gisela said, you know, just you know, trust and you know, try it. And if you don't have an existing course, um, that you can go approach somebody and start collaborating with them. So I think it's um, really exciting. If you have an offering, say you you speak a different language or you're good at marketing or you're good at video production, uh, don't be shy. Reach out and make the contact. Uh, both Gisela and Olivia, they were the ones that contacted us um, initially. So that's, you know, and we've had a great relationship that's, you know, um, with Gisela and that we're, we're starting off with uh, Olivia. And, you know, don't be, don't be shy. You've got an offering. Make it known. Mm, yeah, I think that's a great point. Remember, guys, OV community, we're a collaborative community. So the OV, you want to know where to go and find people to start going, post in there, start talking to people. You just put a post in there, say, I'm looking for this, or I'm looking for that. You know someone. You know, just go in there and post. Um, and we can't really do that. You've got to remember, we can't do that in the official Udemy places. The OV community, online video educators and entrepreneurs community on Google+, we're free to talk about what we want there without upsetting Udemy because there's some things that, you know, that's not appropriate to discuss. Uh, I'm not saying black hat or anything. Scott's going to accuse me again in a minute. But um, Don't forget two weeks black hat <laughs> marketing for Udemy. <laughs> okay, Scott, your sort of closing thoughts. What, what, what's your sort of uh, thing from tonight? Well, I, I Thank you, Jeremy, for your comments. I really appreciated them. And I want to say that I would never collaborate with a Udemy instructor. I would collaborate with somebody that I know, really like, and, and have a relationship with, it, and they happen to be a Udemy instructor, I wouldn't hold that against them. But uh, as a Udemy instructor, I tend to look for um, people that don't know anything about Udemy, to be quite honest, and, and collaborate with them. I find it a lot easier, and I, I guess maybe I'm a bit of a control freak too, like Jonathan, I just hide it. Uh, I like to be able to say, this is the plan, this is the way we do it, any questions, no, okay, here's what we do next. And then they just supply the stuff and I look after all the rest of it. And uh, so that's the way I've, you know, when I was thinking about it, I thought, yeah, like, you know, um, I haven't never really approached someone who is a Udemy instructor out of the blue, right? Like I have had conversations with Udemy instructors who I've known. And the last one I did was the podcasting. He is, but he, he was somebody else who was a Udemy instructor approached him first. And that's how we got in. Didn't have a very good experience with that fellow. and. And, and, you know, so uh, had a better experience with me and we'll hopefully do some more courses. So I really think it's like, what are you interested in? Look around. I, Udemy to me started off as a very technical how to, I tell people this, it's a how to configure JavaScript on an Apache server using PHP and Javlets. And that seemed to be where it started from. And when you look at those types of courses, they have tens and hundreds of thousands of students, Excel and all the rest of it. But I really think that they are moving towards soft skills, like marketing skills, management skills, and things like uh, scrapbooking or yoga or these. You know, I think once they get enough of a course in a certain area, they, they know how to market stuff, and they're going to be marketing all of those things. So even if today, a yoga course, for example, or a weight lift lifting course is not the greatest seller. In two or three years, when we go from seven million to fourteen million, it could be a really good seller. So I think of what we're doing now as planting seeds for two or three years down the road. Because if you establish yourself in an area, 
uh, as kind of the expert Udemy instructor for you know lifting barbells or something, and you have a number of courses in that area, you're you're going to attract a lot of people as Udemy grows, and I think that's the one thing that is really exciting. So find things that you're interested in, find people that know more than you about it, and then uh, you know do a course with them. Excellent, thanks, Scott. And my closing thought is this: bootstrapping. Okay. Now a lot of people come to Udemy. They're bootstrapping. They're 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 trying to create residual income. You know, you might not be resource heavy. We were very fortunate that we're video production marketing company, so we've got all the equipment. But a lot of people don't have that. So another way you can use collaboration is by going out and finding people. So you know, your video editing skills or your video production skills might not be great. So maybe go out and find a local video company. Explain Udemy to them and say, look, we can cut you in. It's 50%. No harm in asking. And you can increase your, the, the, the quality of your course there. And, you know, you can start collaborating with people and creating content above and beyond what you'd have been able to create on your own. So get out there. Get collaborating. I want to thank the panel. Remember, join the OV community. Subscribe on YouTube to Mark Timberlake. Uh, we have a playlist for these. Check out the podcast on iTunes. You, again, you'll find it under SME Heroes or Mark Timberlake. And uh, panel offers in the description. I'm going to put them there. So check the YouTube description for that. And don't forget to sign up for my Udemy Tips newsletter. I know Jeremy's on there, and I do share some top secret stuff on there. So make sure you sign up for that newsletter. Thank and you for joining. Don't forget Robin's takeaways. <laughs> and don't forget Robin's takeaways. Has he done them? Let me check. Where's Robin's takeaways? Aha. There we go. Many hands make light work, number one, if managed correctly. Number two, leverage expertise for better quality content. Number three, trust relationship partnership. Number four, use a contract, define IP terms. Number five, split revenue fairly. Number six, work ethically. It's your brand after all. Great takeaways from Rob. It's a tradition now. Um, and we'll see you guys in a couple of weeks. OV Hangouts are every two weeks now. So we're going to see you in a fortnight, and hopefully we can have another great discussion. And we look forward to catching up with you then. Thanks a lot, guys. Thank you.